Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Phil Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Let's all stand for a moment. God bless you. What great sights and sounds of what happened um, during the week. Love that. If you're a visitor, this is church. Uh, It's a community where we hang out and express our love to God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Churches like this are are meeting right now all over the coast and all over the state and all over the states, all over the nation and the nations. And uh, love that, that we can um, choose to believe that we're not just a little minority group, but actually we are like an army and uh, we just got to get into some sort of semblance of rank and file and, and pull together as a family, pull together as an army and we can do amazing stuff. You, you can't do it. You can't do it without the anointing, the power of God. You can't really pull together and become brothers and sisters, it's too hard. The world looks at us and goes, you guys are crazy. If you treat, really treat each other spiritually as brothers and sisters, we can't even get our head around that. So we try and prove by what we do and how we express ourselves and how we do hang tough and we do great exploits and how we do love each other and forgive each other, we try and prove to the world that community actually works. That you don't have to sit around a TV set in a room, in your own mind, in your own life, all the days of your life. You can actually become a family. The Bible says He puts the lonely in families. And I just look at those people, uh, the C3 Cares, uh, they're reaching out to people who are really just wanting to turn up, not so much just for a meal, but they want to have a chat. They, they, they want to come into the proximity of someone else who's also trying to make sense of life. And, and, and they just really want to chat. Oh, yeah, we're probably hungry too. So, Father, we just pray for all the lonely people that are out there in our community, Lord. We pray that they would find, that they would find this love that reaches out to them, Lord, and places them in a family. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Give yourselves a hand clap. Woo! Come on, really give yourselves a hand. Yeah. All right. Awesome. 
what a day, what days. You did so well, you guys. Okay, you're done. I mean, I don't know if there's any medals to give out or... Um, but um, no one told me anything. But you guys did extraordinary without guitars this morning. That was the unplugged version of C3 Tugger, obviously. This is a bit of a minefield, this message. I'm telling you what. Let's just go back to how to live our best life. Can we just go back to there and just focus on this incredible uh, gift that Jesus has given us? Uh, let's just talk about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But then when we talk, want to talk about the Father, oh, it is a bit of a minefield, Amen. And so, Lord, help us this morning, <laughs> help yours truly um, navigate this message of, of sonship. That's our message, sonship. Can't overlook it. Uh, it's a theme throughout the, the whole Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Who's been reading that B-I-B-L-E this week? It, it's the instruction manual for life. You know, when you get your IKEA furniture, you get some instructions, and even the bloke has to look at I, I don't need instructions. I can do this. Uh, hang on, what's those instructions say? <laughs> yeah, it's like you do well to look at the instructions most times, unless you're Shane Hutchinson. He's just, he can put anything together, he's awesome. He can even produce babies. He's just, there's nothing this man cannot do. Oh, but Chrissy's right there helping him, of course. And so, Adam, the very first human being, is identified as, the, as a son of God, small s. Israel is identified as uh, God's firstborn son. Uh, King David is cast in a father and son terms. Christians are children of God, yes, but adopted as sons. And the prophetic triumphant conclusion at the end of the Bible in Revelations, it says that in Revelations 21.7, he who overcomes will inherit all this and I will be his God and he will be my son. When I say son, I mean sons and daughters, you know that. But I'll just use sons if I can, all right? So, please. So the storyline of the Bible makes it very clear that God's creating a family through sons and daughters that will serve him and rule and reign on this earth to show what it really is to be greatly loved by a father in heaven. Sonship is the key that we've got to get our head around. So, Sonship is the key issue of establishing relationships with his people, meaning God the Father adopts us into this household or, or community or family as sons and daughters. John Alley, who we had here, has written a book. It's at the back. It's available. Uh, sonship, he says, is this. It's quite simply the way God prefers to do business. If you mean business with God, you really need to learn what it means to be a son to a father 
in heaven, but also in the body of Christ. Ooh, that's a big, ooh, just hit a speed bump. Just, um, th this is hard. Um, this is a hard thing to navigate, to, to treat the more senior, mature mums and dads in the house as your spiritual mother and father. And it can work the other way, I was realizing this morning as I was pondering, pondering like Steve Furtick, he's a young guy, he's like Evan, he's handsome, he's, uh, he's very mature in the Lord. He's, I think, about, what would you say, early 40s, Steve Furtick? And, and 37, is he? Is he really? And I'm looking in his audience, and there's older guys like me that are looking up to him as a father. So it's not about years. It's not about me getting older and older to be your father in this family. It's about if you treat me, if I have, the, if I have done the track work in God, if I have been squeezed, as that song was saying, if I've been broken and squeezed through my life to reveal who God is in my life and to who, reveal who I am in God, that, that's what happens. Uh, did anyone tell you that before you got saved? Did, we didn't tell you that, did we? <laughs> sorry, guys, sorry. That was in the fine print. You should have read. He's going to break you a bit. He's going to squeeze you. You're going to get put on the potter's wheel and he's just going to, mold you and fashion you into a perfect vessel where he can pour you out. I bought my mum on Mother's Day, I was about eight or nine, and in our school, primary school, on Mother's Day, they'd fill one whole classroom up with, with these gifts for mum. And we were given, I think then, a shilling maybe, in 1966, 67, so 66 the currency changed, so it might have been a 10 cent piece. Uh, but we would walk through the classroom and on the tables of the class with these gifts that we could buy mum. And I did buy my mum a milk, a milk um, jug, 10 cents. I still remember how much it cost me. It was a massive price, 10 cents, why am I? Anyway, and uh, so the ice cream or the jug? Yeah, so, um, and a heart ice cream, I just sorry, this, this, these things matter to me. A heart ice cream costs 10 cents, which was a lot of money, wasn't it? It was, it was a lot of money, because I remember someone's grandmother buying me a heart ice cream in, I think it was 1967 or 68. I went, heart, I've never had a heart ice cream. That is like for the... That is for the people who can afford a hard ice cream. I always had just a whip, uh, you know, a Mr. Whippy ice cream, which was, you know, three cents for, I don't know. You know but a hard ice cream. Who is this lady? She's awesome. But she was, a, she was one, of, one of the lovely ladies that was in my earlier life. Where have I gone, Jules? I bought Mama Jules. <laughs> so I'm regressing. It's what old people do. They regress. <laughs> I, I brought the jug home and she put milk in it. She was glad. It was, it was the first Mother's Day present that I'd ever bought my mum at a young age. And, and I remember she went to pour the milk out and, and it didn't pour right. It splayed out. 
And she tried to cover it. I said, Mom, what's wrong with it? No, no, it's all right. It'll work. And it splayed out again. It was the, it was the um, thank you, Nathan. See, we have people that serve all through the house, just do these little jobs like this. And, 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 and so she tried to cover it, but I knew because even 10, 15 years later, that jug was never used. It was in the cupboard. It never got used because it didn't work. This is about yay height. It didn't work. So getting back to the potter and, and the wheel and the jug, sometimes God's going to get you on the potter's wheel, Father God. He's got to break you a bit and repair that spout where the glory pours out, where your anointing pours out. He's got to refashion it. No, what's wrong with this spout? It's awesome. This is what I do best. I'm strong at this. I'm good at this. Watch me. Woo. Woo. Yeah, we don't like that. No, keep that to yourself, man. It's getting on everyone and splashing and hurting people and no, no, we've got to get you back on the potter's wheel. <laughs> we've got to refashion a, another spout, man. We've got to get a nice little spout where you can just be poured out just how we want. Sorry, where am I going with this message? <laughs> so that, that's the breaking part. The apostle, began, the apostle began to realize that what God was trying to do was build family, but even even way deeper than what had been experienced in the, in the Old Testament. And then you got the apostles mentioning words like brothers, brother, brothers and sisters in Christ. A unique family term, born of the seed of Abraham. Genesis 12, 2. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. Right back at the start, God is saying, I'm going to create a family, a spiritual family on the planet. Who is our father from that family? Father Abraham has many sons, has many sons. Abraham. Romans 4, 9, 12 says, So then he is the father of all who believe. Abraham is the father of all who believe. Abraham is very important to us. He's one of the original spiritual fathers that heard the voice of God. And obeyed God when he said, leave your father's household, leave that culture, leave that place, that community where they don't believe God, where they don't hear God, know God, leave that and journey with me on a pilgrimage, entrusting me, God's big on commands and very minute on details. He just says, leave. Okay, what, what's the details? I want the details. Who's, who's in the details? I want the detail. No, he's very little on detail. He just says, leave. God's big on commands, but take the land. Take the 11 acres of land, Pastor Phil, and C3 Church. Yeah, but what's the details? How are we going to do it? What's the council? Yeah, how do we do it? And how, how, do, we, how do we fill out a DA application? How do we get us? Where's the money going to come from? Where's the pe- Just do it. So Father Abraham is our great, 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 Grandfather. If we want to walk in the greatest possible measure of God's blessing, 
you will need to learn how to be a son in the church of Jesus Christ. It can be done by the Holy Spirit. We see the example of sonship in the heart towards people in the lives of Joshua towards Moses, um, Joseph towards Potiphar, just Joseph towards Potiphar. Potiphar, but he's a, an Egyptian guy, but still Joseph honored, honored the boss. Honored the boss. It's an honoring thing. You've got to honor, you've got to honor these people around your life. David towards Saul, Elisha towards Elijah, or Elisha towards Elisha, the disciples towards Christ. Well, I can't take anything more off, guys. Help me, Timothy towards Paul. All right, come on. Ruth towards Naomi. Many examples in the Bible. Jesus towards Father God. I can't, all right, I'll do a Steve Furtick. Thank you, mute the belt pack. We have liftoff. Gene Jantz, one of my books, In the Measure of a Healthy Church, um, how, God, how God defines greatness in the church. He says, we, we measure church and we evaluate church by how much family, how much family is functioning. Thank you, son. God's creating a community through sons and daughters. What's a community look like? There's a word called koinonia. You've heard me mention it. It, it means fellowship, but koinonia is a word that, that has connotations of common, sharing, participation, a community of the Holy Spirit. So God brings individuals out and into a community where they share, have things in common, participate with each other to do great things in God. Does that make sense? How is that possible? Through the anointing. Sonship is an eternal spiritual position in which we have been placed in relationship in God through Christ. 1 John 4.21, I just need to give a little bit and then I'll go into some show and tell stuff. Bear with me. 1 John 4.21 and he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Loving each other. Yes. Vertical relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is important. But then we have this horizontal application. That's the cross. See that? That's what the cross is about. He puts leaders over us. 2 Samuel 7.11 says, and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. Hebrews 13.7 says it clearer. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Um, leaders can be, not leaders in the truest sense, but leaders can be these older people. What about, what about Jan, Jan Cliff? Stand up, Jan Cliff. You're senior, you've had a lot of years in God. You've been walking in God, in the presence of God. You've 
been broken, probably you've learned, you've been discipled. Disciple means learner. You've learned, you've learned, you've learned. Here you are sitting in the house of God. With ordinary eyes, we could say just, uh, well, Jan is just a, a senior citizen. Um, and, and so be it. And we'll be not. No. Jan is a legend in the faith. She's a mother. You would do well, young ladies, if you need to know about childbirth or or how to bake a cake, or prayer in particular, to get with Jan and say, Jan, um, please help me on this situation of God uh, that I'm dealing with. So it is, it is really about this understanding that we are a family, that we're sons and daughters, that there are mothers and fathers, and that God puts leaders over our life. But the world teaches us to be individual and to be self-sufficient. Ah, we don't, you know, we'll work it out ourselves. Ephesians 1.3 says, Praise be to the, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I love this scripture. For he chose us. He chose you and I. In him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. He predestined us for adoption into sonship through, through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure and will. It's his good pleasure that he's chosen you and that you're in his family. And he doesn't care what you've done wrong. He doesn't care how far you fall short. He loves you. It's his good pleasure. This is an amazing, an amazing love. God adopted you. You're in the family. You're his son or daughter. Take it. Take it. <laughs> J.I. Packer says, in knowing God, what is a Christian? The richest answer he says that we can give is, is answering like this, that God is our father, we are his son or daughter. That is the richest answer you can give for being a Christian. Got to know the father. All right, let me read you a letter from the Father. I was reading it. This is a little book I have. I've had it for a lot of years. I sometimes read, um, read one of these stories. If I could find it. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Ah, here it is. Here's my little book, Colin Erhardt, who's a great man of God from England, and it's called My Dear Child. I wish I had the one that was My Dear Son. So I'm talking about God being a father to you, and all these letters, all these letters are to his children. I'll read you a letter. My dear child, I am your almighty God. I am your father. 
I love you. I know your understanding of words such as father and love are colored by your experience. But my heart is not like that of any human father. My love transcends any other. You can't judge my love by human standards, no matter how good your experience of love. You see, my child, before the world was created, I knew you. I appreciate this is impossible for you to understand fully, but I don't dwell, but I, that, but I don't dwell within the limitations of time. I am eternal. I am able to see the beginning and the ending of all things at any given moment. So even before you were born, I knew you. From the moment of your conception, I have watched over you. I have seen your conflicts, turmoil, trauma even. I know your fears, your sins, inadequacy, and insecurity. You have often wondered why I made you in such a way if I truly loved you. But I don't make you like that. I made you to be like me. I knew I would draw you to this moment when I could speak to your heart, when I speak to you heart to heart. I want to explain my love to you in such a way that you can experience that love and be set free from all the things that have made it difficult, impossible even, to reflect my love in your life. When you lose sight of my love for you, real problems arise. Sadly, some of my children do not Sadly, some of my children do lose sight of the centrality of my love and become hard-hearted. I want you to enjoy your relationship with me, child. Then you will always respect me as your creator, the Holy One who is almighty. Because I created you in love, I had to give you free will. This means you are able to hate as well as to love, to be selfish and proud if you wish. Everybody has been created with the ability to choose what to do and how to behave. You are no exception. Because you have free will, you have the ability to respond to my love. Many choices, many choices, but that doesn't stop me loving you and longing for you to be set free from the things that deny my love. I would like everyone to know and enjoy my love and express this in their relationship. My child, this is what I want for you. And just letter after letter talking about us as children of God, which is so important. Right. There was a line in that letter that talked about we can't help but through our upbringing and through, I guess, uh, the world and the people, but in particular, our, our dads and our mums, maybe what they showed us as love. God would wish that we would be born and that we would have loving mother and fathers and that they would be unbridled in their love for us, warm, considerate, 
engendering all the wonderful things a mother and father should engender in that relationship. Uh, hello, who knows that that doesn't happen a lot of the times. Um, you know, probably even 90% is everyone's, this is why this message is so hard, because everyone has an in, inconsistent account of how truly they are loved by the upbringing in their life, the parenting in their life, through mums and dads. I, I grew up with a father that was great. I, I felt protected. I felt secure at home. But my dad was shut down emotionally towards his family because he lost his father at the age of 10 and a stepdad came in and a, a, a more or less abused my dad um, physically in the sense that, you know, get out of here, you know, I, I, I'm marrying your mum now and I don't, I don't care about her, her children. And then, of course, my dad's inability or choice uh, to shut down areas of his life that I needed as a son. My dad was a perfectionist. Nothing was ever good enough. I couldn't please him almost at school, work, play. Somehow, in our upbringing with our mums and dads, we translate that to Father God. Hang on, hang on. You, you said Father. You said Father God. Yeah, I said Father. Which, for you, registers in you dispositions against your own upbringing and parenting. I grew up in a street <laughs> with fathers as a small boy in the 60s a uh, guy down the end of the street, apparently he was an SS, Nazi soldier. He, he didn't ever say anything to us, just kept doing himself. But the word out was out in the street that he was an SS army officer. I know he had two very rough sons who used to like to fight. They were older than me, so... Praise God, I wasn't in that, but still. Had another guy who used to cut my hair, a man, I should say, a father figure in my life. Dad would take me around to a Polish man's house and he would cut my hair because he used to cut hair in a concentration camp. He'd been arrested, uh, I mean, he'd been put in a POW camp and, and, and he used to cut hair in that camp. So my dad found that out. He used to take me up there and I would end up with a bowl cut. And I was duly teased at school. Looks like someone's put a bowl around your head. And that's probably why I rebelled and grew my hair the most longest in my high school days. He was a lovely man. He was gentle. Didn't hear anything about the war from him or anything. Oh, there was a Jewish man up the end of the road. He'd been a POW uh, veteran too. And uh, there, was, there, was, um, there was an Air Force uh, father. His, his wife uh, didn't have any kids. 
seemingly these people didn't talk to each other. We had Czechoslovakians, Yugoslavians, Croatians, all building their own homes. There were strong uh, fathers, men that were building their own homes. Um, and you never, they never said anything to you. Uh, there, were, there, were Aussie, there were Aussie fathers. They were like beer and uh, they were strong, rough and tough blokes and um, speak when you're spoken to. Um, uh, but there was one guy over the road. He was a mechanic and he would uh, teach me uh, what a 316 spanner was. And he said, see that? That's a carburetor. And he was great. I, I liked him. I would consider him a father figure. Um, other father figures came into my life on the sports field, the soccer field. I was a half-decent soccer player, and, uh, and these guys would come out, father figures. You're like, you know, you're like 10, 11, 12, and you can know how imposing a man is. So you're, you're pretty good, son, yeah, but, you know, you should do this, you should do that. And, uh, yeah, I've seen you. Yeah, that was a good game. Go, well, who are these guys affirming me? I didn't know who these guys were. And... Um, one day I was playing a social match. I came off the field to get a drink of water and this father figure said to me, hey son, it's only a social match but you shouldn't walk off the field to get a drink. I went, whoa, that sort of shunted me that, you know. I went, whoa, you know, you, 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 you don't get this stuff now. But father figures, you know, what did they mean to me in getting saved? What, what did they mean? Um, they meant all sorts of things. And then I got saved through Jesus, who the Bible says is like our big brother. He, Father God, and, then, and, then, and then, then, then the Lord says, these are my children, these are my sons. And soon as Father God said that, that meant that we were brothers and sisters. And then Jesus says, these are my brothers, these are my sisters. We're brothers and sisters. Wow. Somehow we've got to realize the love of the Father, the unbridled, the pure, unadulterated, affirming, caring, protecting, providing of Father God as his sons and daughters. Let's go to the prodigal son story quickly. The son says, I hope you know the story, but the son says to the father, I want what belongs to me now. It's a little bit what I did when I was a kid. When I was 16, I left home. I want my free will, thank you very much for this body, by the way, mum and dad. Thank you for the where for all to go now <clears throat> with the inheritance and all that that means, the, the good reputation my mum and dad had in the community, I'll take that. I'll take all that you've taught me, all that I am, I'll take that, mum and dad, and I'm out of here because I've got to find my life. I've got to go somewhere. And so the prodigal son story says, 
he went to a foreign country. Goes to a foreign country, spends all the inheritance. The father actually must have sold some of his land and gave the son his portion, one third, go. You break my heart. Basically, the son was basically saying, I wish you were dead, I want my inheritance now. Whoa. That was big in that community, by the way. And it was a real blight against that community. Oh, did you hear? Did you hear his son? Just ask for his inheritance. So now he's out here. He spends it all on wild living, and, and he's got nothing now. He goes to work for a master, some master in that land, and he's in the pig pen feeding the pigs and wishing he could have at least, you know, what the pigs were having. The Bible says he comes to his senses. He says, hang on, even my servants that were serving my father are well uh, better off than, than what I am. So he comes back. He comes back and he realizes, I've got to make an apology. As he's working up his apology, the Bible says, understand this, that there are two types of people listening to this parable that Jesus is sharing. One of them is the tax collector's and, and sinners, and the other is the Pharisees and the scribes, all right? So Jesus has already just spoken a parable about the sheep, the, 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 the 99 sheep, is it? The one that, the one that is lost? So he's, he's looking at the the scribes and the Pharisees, he's looking at the tax collectors and sinners and, and he's saying, right, I've got to come up with a, a world-class story here to explain the dilemma both these parties are in. Get this, get this. He starts off with one parable by the lost sheep. The shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one, goes after the 91, goes after the 91, or goes after the one, I should say. Ah. Then he tells another parable about the 10 silver coins, is it? Help me. 10 silver coins, and the, the, the mother or the, or, the, or the lady loses one of the coins in the house, and she She's anguished. She puts the light on and she's looking, she's looking all night and she finds it and says, I have found the silver coin and there's a celebration. Again, she went finding. The shepherd went looking. Now he drops in this story about the prodigal. Prodigal means, um, prodigal means rec. Uh, let me get this, let me get this. This is, P 
prodigal meaning recklessly extravagant, having spent everything. That's what the son did in a foreign country. Spent everything. He's coming back. He's coming back to his father to apologize. He just wants to be a servant in his household. The father is looking all the time, constantly, even though the son is in a foreign country, taken the inheritance, treated him so harshly, the son is still waiting. The father is still waiting. He sees the son. He runs towards his best apology. Stand up, Andrew, stand there. listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.